I get the pleasure of filling in for Pastor Taylor the next two weeks. Um, as some of you may know, if you're watching online or your first time, I am married to Pastor Taylor, um, and we have three kids, so it's been um, a pleasure to be able to fill in and give him some time off. We've had a couple of other guest speakers uh, this month as well, and I just want to tell you something, though. Uh, he hasn't been working too much on messages. Uh, this is actually what he's been doing with his month off. He's been doing a lot, a lot of sleeping. He's sleeping with our infant. He's sleeping with our two-year-old and sleeping with our three-year-old. So he's getting lots of naps in, um, which has been fun, and just uh, taking time to rest um, as well as work ahead a little bit. One fun fact about me is I really do hate losing stuff. Is there anyone in here that absolutely hates losing stuff? Anyone that, like, it just is their pet peeve. Um, they absolutely just can't stand uh, where it went. For some of you, it's not a matter of that you miss it so much. You just want to know where you lost it. Uh, for me, I uh, am notorious for losing things. If you ask Taylor, he'll say, yep, uh, she loses stuff all the time. I even sometimes will take, I have my losing Sharpie here. I will take a Sharpie, and I have a list of all the things that I've lost that I'm looking for around the house. Um, sometimes I'll rip up that list and write it again. So Taylor knows this is a more recent list if it had coffee spilled on it or something. And I will have it posted on the side of the fridge because I want to know and I want everyone to know in my household what I'm looking for on that list. Um, I don't know if any of you grew up with Polly Pockets. Anyone have Polly Pockets? Well, my girls love Polly Pockets. They're a little bit different than the ones that I grew up with, but inevitably a Polly Pocket is always on that list. They're about this big. I don't know if you can see them. So I'm always, always asking everyone, have you seen Polly? Have you seen Polly? I cannot find Polly. And the worst part about it is that they came out with these little Polly babies. Can you see that? This Polly baby is usually always missing. I did find it, though, so I could bring it with me and show you guys one of the things that's always on my list uh, that I'm, I'm constantly looking for, and the girls, especially when it's lost, always want to know where it's at, where it's at, um, because the Polly Pockets are useless without those little Pollies. Um, and I've already Googled it. They don't sell Pollies by themselves. You have to buy a whole nother kit. Um, so if you hate losing stuff, um, it may be really hard for you if you ever decide to have kids or you have kids, because you know what it's like. Uh, when I go to the store, uh, I see all of the different toys, and it says, this has 1,200 pieces. And I'm like, no, I just want the box with the one Lego. Just give me one Lego. Give me one baby doll. I don't want any clothes, because then that means I have to keep track of it. Um, so I'm that parent that just can't stand all of these pieces. Um, one of my coworkers, she even gave me a, like a 300-piece bead set for my daughter. And I think she wanted to do it just to get under my skin so I could keep track of 300 beads around my house and have I'm stuck in the vacuum. But one of the other things that's always on my list um, that maybe some of you have um, is AirPods. And AirPods are really, really tiny as well. And for me, this one is one that kind of goes up to the top of the list if I lose one of my AirPods um, because they're pretty, they're pretty expensive. Polys, uh, you can replace them. But if you lose an AirPod, it's very, very costly to replace an AirPod. And so there was a time when I lost my AirPod probably about a year ago, and I looked everywhere. It was on my list. It was on my Sharpie list. I constantly would ask Taylor, where's my AirPod? Where's my AirPod? I tried Googling how to find your AirPod, if you could ping it, and all of this, and I could not find it anywhere. I tore up the entire, entire house. 
Um, and with three little girls, I even tried asking them, because little fingers like to grab things, hide things, put it in little drawers, wherever they can put it. And I, I knew that I had looked everywhere in the house, except one place. There was one place I really, really didn't want to look, and I really didn't think it was there, and it was here. Does anyone know what this is? It's a diaper pail, you're right. This is where you put all the dirty diapers in, and it is like terrible smelling. You have like 30, 40 diapers in there, and I knew that was the one last place that I had to go look for my AirPod. So sure enough, I did. I put on gloves, I took it outside, and you can ask Taylor, it was terrible, terrible. I went through every single diaper, but guess what I found? The AirPod. The AirPod was there. And it was like this sense of relief that I had finally found it, that I could cross it off on my list, that I had finally found that one thing that I had lost. And some of you might be like, oh man, you're really, really crazy. This isn't a fun fact about you. This is like, you need kind of help kind of fun fact. Um, and maybe I do because I really do obsess. I lose sleep over lost things because it's just like, where did I put that? Where did I set it? Um, but I try to justify my craziness because um, Jesus also cared so much about lost things. In fact, in Luke, which we're going to look at today, he wrote three parables about lost things. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. And we're going to look at the parable today of the lost sheep and look at Jesus' same inevitable passion for finding this lost thing that he cared so, so dearly about. And in the, the, the chapter that we're going to look at, chapter 15 of Luke, he has sinners and tax collectors gathered around him. And this is who he's talking to. And the Pharisees are kind of on the outskirts, and they're muttering. And they're always questioning Jesus, like, why are you associating with these people, these sinners and tax collectors? And he, he just had these Pharisees and the teachers of the law just have this perplexed, uh, uh, questioning with Jesus about why, why are you associating with them? Why are you eating with them? Why aren't you spending time with us, the people that are righteous, the people that obey the law? And so in chapter 15, Luke starts out this story this way. He says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them? He continues on and says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses just one. He has a hundred sheep. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Wouldn't you go after one sheep? If you have a hundred and you lost just one, wouldn't you go after them? Any of you mathematicians out there, what percentage is that that he lost? 1%. So in our world today, though, I mean, 1% isn't that bad. I mean, if I, I mean, to be honest, if I lost 1%, I'd be like, yes, I'm killing it. If I lost 1% of my clients or my customers, 1% would be like, okay, I retain 99%. If you think about any of our percentages in the world, which so much of what we go off is the percentage of success, the percentage of failure. If you look at like marriages, 1% of marriages don't make it, that's a pretty good percentage. One percentage is unemployed. 1% drops out of school. That's not bad at all, right? Would you guys all be happy with just losing that 1%? See, that's not the way Jesus thought at all. 
Even though the world says that 1% is not that bad, God counts every single one of his sheep. And in this story, the shepherd must have been constantly counting and saying one, two, three. He had to know that one was lost. He had to be keeping the flock together because God cares so much about that one, even if it's just one, that 1%. He wanted to go after that 1%. See, with God and in the kingdom of God, we're like a flock. We live in community together. Pastor Taylor says this quite often, that we're meant to live in community. The building isn't the church or the place or the brick or the mortar, but it's the people. We are the flock. And when we're separated or one of us is separated, we should agonize over that. There's something about living together in community and keeping track of one another and loving on one another. Because to know that one is lost, you had to know that they were a part of your flock in the first place. Because it was obviously inherent to that shepherd that one was missing from the flock. In this next picture, we have a puzzle here. What do you notice about the puzzle? The piece missing. Isn't that crazy? How many pieces are there? There's probably 99 pieces, or I don't know if you guys have done a thousand piece puzzle. And doesn't that drive you crazy when you don't notice all the puzzle pieces that are there, but you notice what? The one that's missing. And I'm sure that that one would be making it on your list. You would be writing that one in Sharpie and saying, yep, I need to find that puzzle piece because it's going to get under your skin. You're not going to be able to sleep. You're going to be like, where is that puzzle piece? And that's just the way that God looks at his flock. That's how he looks at the community of people that he uniquely created because we're meant to live together. And the more intimately we're connected together, the more agonizing it is when someone's separated. It's a little more personal when we see someone we know is missing versus a face or a name that we don't know because we agonize over that person because we have a relationship with that person. We know their name, we know where they live, and we care about that person when they're missing. And our hearts should really break for what breaks God's heart in this moment when one of the members of the community have strayed away. I don't know if you've heard this, but um, you know, when we, we grieve people or when people that we've been in a relationship are lost, it's not so much that we have lost them. It's that we're lost without them. Have any of you ever experienced that, that it wasn't just that you lost them, it was the hole that they left. Whether they passed away or it was a relationship that fell to pieces or ended abruptly. It was that you felt lost because you weren't with them. And I wonder if that's really how God feels too, is that when we're not in a relationship with him, if he feels lost without us. And I think that is what God is trying to communicate here, is that he does feel lost when we're not in a relationship with him. Have any of you ever raised sheep? Any of you grew up on a farm, dealt with sheep? No, a couple of you. Well, I grew up on a farm as well. That's another fun fact about me. And I've dealt with sheep. And sheep have interesting characteristics. 
One of those characteristics is this. Anyone drive by a farm on a gravel road, whether you've raised sheep or not, driven by, this was a sheep or a cow or a goat, and they're sticking their head through the fence on the other side. And you're like, what in the world? You have all of this green grass, and you want the grass on the other side. It's that greener grass mentality. It's that, you know what? I know I have what I have here, but I see something better. And that's how sheep kind of are. It's like, oh, I see something better. It's not like I'm just going to take off from the herd and I'm just going to leave the flock. It's unintentional. It's not that they're stupid or rebellious or they're on a vengeance. It's that it's like, oh, this looks a little better. Oh, you know, this grass, this tuff of grass looks a little bit better than that one. If I could only get over here, if I could only have that, if I could only achieve this of what the world looks at as successful, if I could only be friends with that person, if I could only get that promotion. And in the sheep's mind, the head's down, it's just a little bit of green grass here, greener grass here, greener grass here. And before you know it, the sheep looks up and realizes it's lost. It realizes like, okay, how did I get here? Where's my flock? I don't know how to get back. It was one thing that led to another that led to another. And it wasn't that it was necessarily always intentional. It can be very unintentional. Things in life pop up. Things in life distract us. And we kind of wander astray. We see other things that are more of a priority. Or what, again, the world looks at as a priority that you should put first. So... Sometimes it's not that we are intentionally going after something and then realize that we're lost. So going back to Luke chapter 15, let's see what happens next with the sheep. It says, when he finds him, that shepherd, he's joyful. He puts him on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls all of his friends and family together. And he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Rejoice. You guys should all be so excited and happy. I found my lost sheep. I found my 1%. Now I know that my flock is back together. But see, our human nature isn't like this. So many times when we have found something that we've lost or someone we love has been lost and they've been found we don't, we don't rejoice and call our friends up together. I wanted the verse to say something like this. When he, the shepherd, has found the lost sheep, he carries it on his shoulders. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says this. Well, it's about time. Well, I hope you learned your lesson. You can come back this time, but you better not happen again. Or my personal favorite that I love doing with Taylor is the, I told you so. Uh, but we've got to the point where I don't even have to say it. I just have an I told you so face. It's like this half smirk. Like, um, I don't even have to say it because that's how I, I want in our human nature to respond. We aren't focused on the celebration and the win of what was lost coming back or someone coming back and saying, yeah, I want to start that relationship over. I want to start asking the tough questions and begin that relationship of what it looks like to be in the embrace of God's love, to be used by God. No, our human nature says this. We want to say, I told you so. I want to tell you all the things you did wrong. I want to tell you why you got to where you got to. I want to tell you why you shouldn't have done that. I want to tell you I told you so. And that's our human nature as well. But I'm so thankful that that's God, not God's human nature, that he has this outlandish love that he wants to pour out on us 
that says, yep, I'm gonna rejoice when you come home. I wanna rejoice when you say yes and come back and say, you know what? I want to give my life to you. I wanna serve you. I wanna live a life of compassion and reckless love just as you pour out on me. In the, the next verse, it says this. It says, I tell you that even though, oh, do we have that screen? Oh, wait, we don't. That one of you will rejoice with your neighbors. And I tell you that even there, so, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who need no repentance. There will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who need no repentance. I'm not sure if you realize this in your life story, but you were someone's one. Let me ask you this question. Who was the NFL MVP of 2001? It was Kurt Warner. Who was the Nobel Peace Prize winner of 2016? Juan Manuel Santos. He brought the Colombia Civil War to an end. Who has the most number one top single hits? The Beatles. Who was our 36th president? Lyndon B. Johnson. Some of those answers don't come to us. We don't know those answers. Now, while those people accomplished great things and their accomplishments are well-recognized, especially by the world, their impact maybe on us isn't as personal. We don't know them on a personal level. That year might have affected us a little bit. Um, a couple of you might say, yeah, the Beatles songs affected me a little bit more personal. Um, but we don't know those answers. But let me ask you this. Who was that one teacher that saw something in you that no one else saw? Who was that one person that was there for you in one of the darkest moments when you were grieving someone? Who was that one person who showed up and brought you a meal unexpectedly? Who was that one person who just dropped off a cup of coffee and said, hey, I hope you have a great day? Who was that person who sent you flowers unexpectedly? Who was that person who just texted you and said, hey, I really appreciate this about you, and I love this characteristic? Who was that one person that prayed for you when you couldn't even pray yourself and cried out to God, hoping that you would come back into his embrace? See, those names come to our minds so much quicker than other famous people in, in the world and in the history. See, because you were someone's one. Someone said, yep, I'm gonna show outlandish love. I'm gonna go the extra mile. I'm gonna pour out love unto you, even when you might be unlovable. We've all had that someone, whether it was that family member, that coworker, that friend, that neighbor. And the reason why you had that someone was because ultimately you were Jesus's one. We all at some point were that one sheep that went astray, who wandered off. And Jesus put those people in our lives, not just by happenstance, not just by random acts, but intentionally. Jesus put those people in our lives 
because he wanted you to be that one. You were and you are still Jesus's one. There's still people that Jesus is putting in your life to show that overwhelming, endless, reckless love in your life. Let's take it one step further. Who do you think in your life is going to be your one? Who in your life are you encountering right now that Jesus is putting on your heart to say, who's your one? Who are you going to run after and leave the 99? Leave what the world says is successful? Because I would even be okay with 50% success in some situations or 99% success, but God isn't. He wants 100% success. So who does he have in your life right now that he wants you to be used by him so you can run after that one? I don't know about you, but this week has been really, really tough. If you read anything in the news, um, it breaks your heart. You read about Afghanistan, you read about Haiti, you read about children going hungry in Ethiopia. So much turmoil in the world. And sometimes I can get in this spiral of, I can't make a difference, I can't do anything. I'm sitting here in the middle of Iowa, there's no, no impact that I can have to make a difference in these situations. And when I get in that spiral, I, I get to a point where it's like, I just can't do anything, it's overwhelming, because I don't even know that first step of what to do. I mean, I can pray and that makes a difference, but sometimes I feel like I need to do something more. But I get stuck. But then I think about that one person that was there for me. In some of the darkest times in my life, that one person who showed up when no one else showed up, that one person who prayed, that one person that loved me when I was unlovable. And I say, you know what? What if I start with one? Just start with one. Because that's what God asks us to do. He asks us to start with one. Leave the comfort of the 99, leave the social expectations, the world expectations of, of hurting and keeping the 99 safe. And go outside and search out and seek out that one. Because what the difference that could make if each of us said there's one? There's one that I'm going to take my Sharpie and I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write that on my notepad. I'm going to write it on my calendar. I'm going to write it in my phone. I'm going to send a reminder to myself. And it may just be simple acts of love to that one person. It may be someone that you don't even know their name, but you see them every single day and you're like, I want to pour outlandish love. I want to run after them. I want to leave the 99 and I want to run after them. It may be a coworker. It may be someone that you're watching with online right now or sitting next to you. It may be someone in your immediate family. Someone that God is saying, run after them. Just like I ran after you, just like I put people in your life that ran after you. Be that one for someone. Write their name on your heart. Write their name on your mind and in your prayers. Because God gave us this overwhelming, reckless love, this crazy love, when none of us even deserved it. We, don't, we are not worthy of the love that God has poured out on us. The ultimate sacrifice that he gave, dying on the cross. But we get to experience that. We get to experience his overwhelming, 
reckless, never-ending, crazy, crazy love, that outlandish love. And we get the opportunity to do that for someone else, to be used by God in crazy ways. If we just allow ourselves to say, yeah, I want to be used by God. Maybe today you're the one that's been lost and wandering and saying, you know what? I don't know how I got here. I made this one decision and it led to this other decision. And I don't know how I ended up here. I really don't. But I want to come back and I want to experience this love again. Experience this peace that I don't have right now. Experience this joy that God wants to give me. And you want to say, yep, I'm going to make that step to come back and say, I want to be found. I want God to tear down the walls. I want God to, to erase all those lies I've told myself. I want God to break down all of the barriers so I can begin that relationship and repair that relationship that was lost and come back to the flock, come back to the community of people that want to show me love. Just start there. Take that one step and think about who's your one and enter into that relationship and say, yep, God, I'm committed this week. I'm committed to the next month of finding out who's my one because you use people in my life and you were my one. I was your one that you chased after. I want to chase after someone else that same way. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I want to thank you for all the times that you left the 99 and you ran after me. You ran after me when I was running far away. You ran after me in dark moments of my life. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. Thank you for putting people in my life that chased after me. Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we sing this song to you, that we can figure out one person, just one, in a world where there's so much brokenness, so much hate, so much pain, that we can just find one that we can pour into, that we can love on, that we can show this crazy outlandish love. I pray that you put that person on our hearts, imprint them and their name in our minds this week. In random ways, can we love on them? Give us the courage and the strength to love them, even when they are unlovable. Heavenly Father, I pray if there's anyone here today or watching online that says, yeah, I feel like the lost sheep a lot. One thing led to another, and I was kind of trying this and then doing this, and it's just easy. It's easy to get out of the habit of being in a relationship with you. It's easy to, to run after other things that the world says is successful or important. And if there's anyone here today that said, yep, I looked up and I realized I ran too far. I want to be back in the flock with you. I want to build my life upon you. May you fill them with your spirit today. May you guide them. May you put people in their life in the days ahead that will help them in that journey 
of coming back to you and getting to know this, this crazy love that you want to pour over them. Heavenly Father, thank you for putting one person in our lives this week. Thank you just for the opportunity to be used by you, the creator and author of the universe, that we get to even have that relationship and get to be used by you and get to have the opportunity to ask ourselves, what does love require of me today to love on that person who's lost? Thank you for leaving the 99 and coming after me and each person here. In your name we pray, amen.